I'm excited. Uh, this is part three today of a series we're in called Fulfilled. Fulfilled. Part three for those who like to take notes and know what's going on before we get into it. Um, today, I can't wait to share this with you. And no doubt, we are going to speak this message to everyone in the room and everyone online. But I really feel like I need to speak it also to the people who aren't here. And even though they don't have the ears to hear it in this room or in this place today, we're just going to speak it and pray that the Holy Spirit will help them to hear it. Your friends, your family members, your co-workers, your neighbors that need to hear a word from God, I'm praying that as it's spoken today, that it's not just limited by this room or by a YouTube link, but that it goes forth and touches some lives. So John chapter 1, verse 15. What I'm going to share with you today is so important for you as a believer. In fact, it's so important for you if you're not a believer because this is the game changer. And if you can get the revelation, not just hear a sermon on this, but if you can get the revelation on what I'm going to talk to you about today, this is going to change you completely. This is the best starting point, the best reference point, the best foundation to operate from as a believer. It is so common. It is so overlooked. It is so elementary that we miss what God already gave, thinking that was just for that one piece, but not realizing that was for all of it, for all of it. I want you to go to the book of John chapter 1, verse 15. I strategically chose to use different versions of the Bible. Usually I use the New Living Translation or the Amplified Version, just because I like the Amplified because it, it breaks it down, gives you the meanings. Today, I'm going to use two different versions. And if you're one of those Bible snobs that think you just got to go King James, this will offend you. So let's go ahead and get that out of the way. It's going to be all right. I promise you. I will not take it out of context. But I'm going to use the Good News Translation. That's a good name, right? Good News. And then I'm going to use the Message Translation. Good News, y'all all right with. Message, some of y'all... We lost you, but you'll come back. John 1, verse 15. My voice is a little scratchy because we had a great ball game Friday night, and I was screaming a good bit. I may have yelled at a ref. Tis the season. I love it. I love it. This is my favorite time. John chapter 1, verse 15. John 1 is so familiar because in Genesis chapter 1, you can draw some parallels because they both start with in the beginning. But when we get down to John chapter 1, verse 15, this guy named John is actually writing about John the Baptist. There's a couple guys named John in the Bible. And so he says this in verse 15, John spoke about him, and he's talking about Jesus right here. He cried out, this is the one I was talking about. When I said, he comes after me, but he is greater than I am because he existed before I was born. And watch this, out of the what? The fullness. I feel like I need you to say that. Out of the what? Fullness of his grace, he has blessed us all. Let me read that again because that's so good. Out of the fullness of his grace, he has blessed us all all. That's all y'all. Look at your neighbor and say, all y'all. Look at your other neighbor and say, and all your people too. All y'all. Out of the fullness of his grace. Felt like I had a middle school boy moment right there. Out of the fullness of his grace, he has blessed us all. Watch this. Giving us one blessing after another. And you know what that tells me? He's not through blessing you. And that's not prosperity gospel. That's just the good news. Amen. He's not through blessing you. And then verse 17, 
He explains how it works. He says, God gave the law through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Ah, the, out of the fullness of his grace. Out of the fullness. That means he's got a lot. Out of the fullness, he has blessed us all. He ends this introduction by pointing to Moses that the law came through Moses. And I'm not talking about speeding. <laughs> I'm not talking about trespassing. I'm talking about religious laws. The do's and the don'ts of religion. He said all that came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And today we're going to unpack that a little bit. But before we do, I want to set that up and take you to Romans chapter 5, verse 20 and 21. Again, this is the message version of the Bible. And this is what it says. And I like this because this is how a lot of us talk. It says, all that passing laws against sin did was produce more lawbreakers. I know. But sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. What? I got to read that part all over again. But sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. Aggressive forgiveness. Aggressive. That means God's after you to forgive you. Mm, thank you, Lord. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. All sin can do is threaten us with death, and that's the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah. Watch this. Go back to week one. Invites us into life. A life that goes on and on and on. World without end. This is just the word of God. We hadn't even started preaching it yet. I do feel like I need to read the whole thing again though because we're, we're, we're trying to unpack it and it's a little bit heavy for you but we're going to unpack it in pieces real quick. Okay, let's read it again. Romans 5 verse 20 and 21 out of the Message Bible. All that passing laws against sin did was produce more lawbreakers. But sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. And all sin can do is threaten us with death, and that's the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah, invites us into life, a life that goes on and on and on, world without end. That right there gets me fired up. I thought I was fired up earlier. And then I read this verse. And I am not worried about my voice at this point because I got to shout it to the rooftops. The grace of God wins. Come on. Anybody in here needed some grace. Anybody in here, you knew you, you weren't living right. You knew you were messed up. But God reached down in his grace and said, let's get a little aggressive with him. Let's get a little aggressive with her and bring some forgiveness into their life. Aggressive forgiveness. Dear God, help us. Jesus, this is your word. This is what you said. I just read it. But I need you to make it come alive inside of every person here today. So Holy Spirit, shine the light on the word of God today. And let it be more than just a lesson. Let it be a light that shines so bright in us that the darkness that the world tries to throw on us can't even touch it. Father, today let your word be so life-giving, so full of power so full of your presence that whatever we're walking through doesn't even have a chance whatever sin or addiction that we may be struggling with the only option it has is to break Father let your grace just flow throughout this room today and every person that's watching it and every one of our friends and family that need to hear this message let it cause us to come alive in the mighty name of Jesus, 
Amen. Amen. I almost feel like we can dismiss and go home now. That was something. Just the reading of Scripture. So on Monday, January the 13th, 2020, at 8 o'clock p.m., my family was sitting in our living room watching uh, LSU destroy Clemson in the college football national championship. What a transition, am I right? We just went from the grace of God, aggressive forgiveness, to an aggressive football team. I love it. There's room, man. There's room. There's room. Um, it's a night I'll never forget. My kids will never forget because our team dominated on so many levels. Even the mascot. Even the mascot. The LSU Tiger looks way better than the Clemson Tiger. In fact, the Clemson Tiger looks so bad, they, they literally started a GoFundMe to try to replace it. You're at that church today that talks about those things. And my oldest son, Elijah, asked me if I was going to take some jabs today at the Florida State fans because you know this weekend, this a week from today, it's LSU versus Florida State. And I told him I wasn't going to trash talk today. That was a scrimmage. Uh, but I'm not going to trash talk today. Maybe after the game. We'll see. We'll see. But on January 13th, the LSU Tigers dominated the Clemson Tigers. And so that's a night I will never forget because our team dominated. But that's also the night that our TV went out. Um, in the second quarter of that game, as the domination began, uh, our 52-inch TV just died. It was just too much good football for the TV to handle. <laughs> The TV's like, I can't handle this. I, I'm tapping out. And so the screen went blank, and uh, I have the kind of family that looks at me whenever it happens. And like, what did you do? I, I did nothing. I'm not sure what's happening here. But that was lights out football. And uh, the screen goes blank, and there is a sense of panic throughout our living room. Because how can the TV go out at such a historic moment? Am I right? This is, this is like memories on steroids right here. And so, um, so the TV goes out, and we're panicking. And so I don't know about you, but I'm the kind of guy, I'm going to fix it because my team's on, and we're going to watch this. And so I'm trying to di diagnose this as I have family members that are telling me to hurry turn it back on, and I'm, I'm just trying. I can't operate all the time under that much pressure. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot because there's a lot happening, and they're missing the game. And uh, we kept fooling with everything, fooling with the plug. You know, turn it off for a few minutes. Where's the reset button? Remove the power button from the back of the TV. Let it sit 30 seconds, and then put it back on, and they're getting notifications on their phone at this point that we're up by 20 now. And it's like, it's increasing. We need to see this whole thing unfold. And so we're trying, we're trying. And so I, I didn't know what to do to fix it. I mean, I'm not a TV guy. I just watch TV. I don't fix TVs. I can mount it. I can plug it up. And and I can definitely channel surf on it, but I can't fix it. And so all I knew to do was go in your room and get your TV. And so they run upstairs to the room and come back down with a 32-inch TV. 52 to 32. Sounds like the kind of score that we would beat the opponent with. But we went from 52 inches to 32 inches, and I needed a magnifying glass. Because that TV was micro. That was small. And it was like, what are you? And they're screaming and hollering in our home. And listen, we're a loud family already. And we know that. We love it. Trust me, we're healthy. We're okay. We don't need therapists. We're just loud. And so there's a lot of screaming and a lot of tension. Not because we hate each other. We love each other. We just want to see the game. And we want to keep winning. And so, and we want the TV to work. 
And so there's all this stuff going on. And, and, and how many of you guys, you're, if something breaks at your house, you're going to try to find a way to fix it. And what do we do? Come on, if you're a guy in here, you know what you do to fix it? You don't call a buddy. You go to YouTube. You YouTube that baby. Am I right? And if you don't do that, that's what you need to learn to do. And I know guys like quit YouTubing it, Wade. You YouTubing it too. And so we're on YouTube trying to figure it out. We couldn't figure out how to fix it. Couldn't. And the game was still going on. And so there we are with a folding table with a 32-inch Samsung trying to watch the biggest game of all time ever. Now and forevermore. Don't even come with that stuff, bro. And we're watching this big moment on the backup TV. Um, it's a night that was supposed to be full of excitement, you know, uh, turn into a night where we were trying to fix the TV. That's frustrating because you're supposed to enjoy those moments. Maybe I'm still scarred by, by it. I don't know. But I was thinking of this story because it seems a little familiar to us because Jesus wants you and I to live a full life, an abundant life, filled, full, fulfilled. I'm going to say those words a lot in this series. But because of our sins, because of our past, our bad decisions, and watch this, and the mindset that it creates, that's the part. Because all of us understand forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. But we never account for the mindset that the sin that we were involved in, that it creates in our lives. And even though we're forgiven for the sin, watch this, we're still trying to fix it. It's forgiven, but we're still trying to figure out how to fix it. And we have this theory that if I can fix what I did then, I can at least still have a good life now. If I can fix all of that stuff, all of those regrets, all of that past, then I can still have a good life. And watch this. It may not be this full life that God said I could have, but at least it will be a 32-inch version of it. It ain't the full 52 inches, but at least I could still get at least 32 inches of it. And people tend to continue to operate their lives instead of in full, only in part. It's supposed to be full, but here we are stuck trying to fix it. So the following Sunday, I was talking to a gentleman at church who was congratulating us on our massive victory. And um, he asked about the game and how was that experience for us. And I told him, uh, what had happened? I walked him through it. And, uh, you know, he was like, well, good news is your team won, which is true. And that does feel good. But the experience is, is marked. And we have those moments in our lives where good things happen, but it's marked by some things. You know, like whenever you're trying to have like a family event and it's supposed to go well, but you have family drama at the family event. Nobody remembers the event. They just remember the drama at the event and the next event. You know what you're contemplating? Should we invite them? <laughs> Come on, how many of y'all? You, you, you did a little work on the invite list. They're not coming to the birthday party. They ate all the ice cream last time. All the bluebell was gone. And I'm being kind with that illustration. And so I was telling this guy about the game, and he was, he was excited for us and everything. And, uh, and he, he told me, he said, well, I hope, I hope you can either get your TV fixed or find, find a new one. And so we go to lunch. My parents were actually in town with us. We go to lunch. We're back at home, and uh, we're trying to watch TV. But you know, that's limited because the big TV's out. And we get a knock on the door, and this guy shows up and says, bring your boys to the car. Got something for you. And my boys open up the hatch on the back of this little SUV, and there's a huge 65-inch Samsung 4K HD. Yeah, man. You talking about motivated. 
you have never seen two teenage boys unload a vehicle that fast in your life. Open that box and like begin to mount it immediately. This did not turn into a honeydew list. You know that you schedule it down, but it doesn't get done for like five years. This was a right now priority. This was like a mandate from heaven. It must be done now. Look at your neighbor and tell him now. Now. And this man, without asking him for it, didn't even think of this. Just out of his kindness, out of his goodness, he just blessed us with 65 inches of full HD TV. So we went from trying to fix, I want y'all to hear this because this is where I'm about to announce the title. We went from trying to fix a 52 inch TV with a backup plan of a 32 inch TV and out of nowhere got blessed with a 65 inch TV. And if you think this is all about material stuff, you're missing the whole point of the message. Because the way this man was operating, I believe, is the way our Father in heaven operates. And it's hard for us to receive that because we live in fix-it mode all the time. And so today, the title of the message that I'm going to speak is From Fixed to Full. From Fixed to Full. In John chapter 1, he introduces Jesus to us. The word became flesh. He dwelt among us and he gave life to everything he created. That word life, it's the fullness of life. It's not just you're going to be okay. It's the fullness of life. He, he gave that to every single one of us. And what does his life, his life do? It brings light. It shines so bright that it didn't even need the sun to shine so it could be seen. The life of God is that powerful and he is full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we do not even know how to compare that, how to describe that, how to wrap our minds around it, because we see more brokenness and try to define God from our brokenness than seeing his goodness and defining our brokenness through that. We're, we're so stuck with broken that we can't even recognize goodness, which is why we stay in a state of trying to fix things in constant state of fixing things. And then John says, out of his fullness of his grace, he has blessed us all, giving us one blessing after another. And that's too much for us to handle because we would just be, we would just be happy being able to get a little bit of his blessings. Because we are so in earn it mode. You have to earn it. You've got to be good enough. And at some point we will learn that you will never be good enough no matter how good you get. Amen? But our whole world is based around performance. How you perform at work, how you perform as a student, how you perform as a mother, a father, a husband, and a wife. It's all about performance. Am I a good mom? Am I a good dad? Am I a good husband? Am I a good kid? I don't know, but I keep getting corrected for the wrong things that I do, and I don't even know who I am anymore. This is where we're operating from. And so anything from here is, if I can just fix me, then I'm going to get better. And so many times we get caught in the trap of trying to fix ourselves over and over. If I do better, it will make up for the doing bad that I have done. Just got to do better. Just got to do better. If I do better, and that straight up is called, let me try to fix it. Just got to fix it. So out of the fullness of his grace, out of the fullness of his grace, he blesses us all. And that's the fullness of God for each and every one of us, no matter what your rank is, no matter what your name is, no matter where you came from, no matter where you're going, this is the reality of who God is out of the fullness of his grace. This is the fullness of God for you. And then John takes a moment. He reflects to the past. He takes a moment to remember the past and says, God gave the law through Moses. And I was trying to figure out, well, if Jesus is coming on with the good stuff, why are we looking back? I mean, we got something better on the scene. Why are we looking back? And then I remembered, you have to remember where you come from to appreciate where you're going. You got to remember it. You don't have to stay there. You just got to remember it. And a lot of times we forget where we came from. 
And so we don't see God's goodness. All we see is our struggle. But if you look back to where you came from, the things you used to struggle with, you're not struggling with anymore. You used to be content because you're free from it. But now you're mad because it ain't all the new little flashy stuff happening in your life. You forgot where you came from. You forgot how he set you free. And now we're stuck in a place of complaining, and that's what happens when you got to fix things all the time. You complain about it being broken. Trust me, I just had a whole week's worth of lessons about fixing things. And you can ask Cynthia, I complained a lot. I had to repent just to preach this message. Because I wasn't full, I was empty. Everything was broke, and I was broke. My mind was broke, my heart was broke. And my bank account was broke. Can I get an amen from somebody? All right, talking to the right people. You got to remember where you come from to appreciate where you're going. Now, let's talk about this law a little bit because obviously we remember the Ten Commandments. That's important. Don't forget about the Ten Commandments. But it wasn't just the Ten Commandments. The law of Moses was so much more. In fact, there are numerous rules that are written throughout the Old Testament. The book of Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. You know the books you don't read. Because it's got weird stuff in it like mildew, seeing your grandma undressed. Like that's just weird stuff. It's, that stuff's in there, man. It is so much. And some of y'all are like, I'm curious. I'm going to read it. You'll stop. You'll start when that's through. Listen, I'm a firm believer that most people fall off the Bible reading wagon whenever they get to those books. You were doing good, man. Creation story. That's awesome. Moses. Come on. Let's go. Moses. Come on. Throw that rod down. Let's go. Get to Leviticus and they start talking about all these weird laws and stuff. It's like, I'm out. This is getting weird. Strange things are happening. I got to go. And so they had all these numerous rules and regulations that they came up with in order to manage behavior. And they began to believe that the way to become righteous was to uphold every one of these rules. Now, I, I know that so many of you here, so many people watching online, they're law-abiding citizens. Am I right? Law-abiding. We follow the law except when we drive. Sorry, Brad, but there's some speeders in here. Front row has a speeder. You don't need a radar. You can get her, I promise you. We will call ourselves law-abiding citizens. Listen, the law enforcement people in here right now are twitching, twitching, just twitching. Where do you at? Cuff them and stuff them. Let's go. We will call ourselves law-abiding citizens. And then little things like that, we don't even look at as breaking the law. But according to the law of Moses, when you broke even the littlest, the smallest law, you were breaking them all. Like you are declared completely unrighteous because you've done this. Like completely unrighteous. And now, because you have done that, we have to go to the field and find one of our livestock and offer it as a sacrifice to the Lord to get your petty little lie forgiven for what you have done because that one little bitty thing has made you completely unrighteous. This is the law of Moses. This is how it's operating. And the law of Moses was given as a fix for man's sin. And it was an attempt to try and keep man from sinning. Realize this, man has always been looking for a fix. Before sin even entered the world, they looked for a fix. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they're living in there, man. It's awesome. There is no sin in the world. They are living life to the fullest. I mean, it is so very good. And a serpent, Satan disguised as a serpent, comes and tries to tempt them with something that looks better, sounds better, seems better, but it's not really better. And says, listen, you think you're living life to the full. If you take this, if you participate in this, if you eat this, 
You haven't even started living a full life because now you will know everything that God knows and you could be just like God. And do you know what man and woman did? They wanted the fix. And so they took the fruit and they ate it. And when they did, their eyes were open. But what they found out was they sacrificed full for a fix. They, they had full, abundant life. They sacrificed full life living for a fix. And man has this, this habit of always trading in the full life that God promises for a fix. I got to get my fix. Not just fix this problem. I need a, a fix. I need a fix. And man, he took the fix. So we have people trying to find a fix for their problems or find a fix to make them feel better about their problems. But here's the problem. When we bring up the, the law of Moses, no one could ever keep all the rules, ever. Every single person throughout history broke God's law. And as a result, everyone lived in brokenness. Oh, I know they put the animal on the altar and they offered the sacrifice, but they still carried the guilt. They still carried the shame. They still carried the pain of their brokenness. And they thought they could fix it by trying to live better by following all the rules, but they always fell short. Every single time they thought they could find a fix in worshiping other idols. They thought they could find a fix in, in indulging in other sins. And, and this isn't the way that a fix presents itself to you. Just like the, the forbidden fruit. It didn't present itself a, a, as something that was bad for you. It presented itself as something that was incredible for you. That this is going to change your life. And the mindset that we have that has been created by our sin, our shame, and our guilt is so attracted to something that we think is going to fix what is broken because we're desperate. And so when the idea of a fix comes around, we immediately fix our attention on it. And I want you to think about how we, as people, try to fix things. And I want to bring you to some scenarios. Let's say you have a disagreement with someone, and it gets heated, and it gets a little bit more than what it's supposed to be. Our fix for that, that whole moment of drama is to hold a grudge. That's how I'm going to fix it. Oh, you're going to be like that? I'm going to be like this. I won't talk to you anymore. I'll just hold a grudge. We would never call it that. But that's what we do. Unforgiveness. Can you see the plan of the enemy? Just taking us completely out of fullness of life where forgiveness allows us to walk in freedom and we step from the fullness of God into the fix of man. I'm going to fix this. I'll never talk to you again. That's our fix. And guys, I have to tell you, because I talk to a lot of people, I counsel a lot of people, it ain't working. It's destroying families. It's destroying relationships. But that's the fix that we settle for, and it's amazing how easy it comes to us. Here's another one. Uh, I didn't do what I was supposed to do, and I don't want to get in trouble, so my fix, I'm going to tell a lie. Or I'll blame somebody else. That's our fix for it. That's how I fix what was broken. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I don't want you to know about it because then I'm going to look bad. I'll just lie about it, make an excuse about it, or blame somebody else about it. This is our fix? Like, you, we have to look at this and say, what in the world are we doing? Like, the father has to be looking at this saying, you do not know what you're doing. And you know what? He's right. This is how we're trying to fix. Um, I don't feel like doing that, but it's something I really, really need to do. But I don't feel like doing it. So what's my fix? I just come up with a really clever excuse. And when I say really clever, I start using things that, that are good, like family. Yeah, man. Oh, just so busy. Had so much going on. And, you know, wanted to spend time with the kids and everything. We do that, man dishonor our families by doing that by the way because we use something that god gave us 
as something that takes us from full to fixed? We crazy, man. Look at your neighbor and say, we crazy. This is, this is what we're doing. What in the world? Some of y'all are like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? Uh, here we go. Uh, don't like how something is going. Be anywhere. This is our fix. Complain about it. That's our fix. Don't like it? Complain. When did that become a good option? Number two, when did that ever change anything? Like never. But that's what we do because that's our fix. It's so easy to do. Am I right? Let's just take a moment right now and complain about things in the room. See what I'm saying? It's so easy to do. I got a plan for you. Never mind. Let's go. <laughs> I got plans. Let's go. All right. Here's, a, here's one. Here's one. Here's one. Let's keep going. We can bump that air up, Terry. All right. So, <laughs> but if I start sweating. All right. Here we go. When we don't like someone, you know what our fix is? Just talk about them behind their back. Dude, what are we doing? Hold on. Y'all want to go a little further? Get stressed out. You know what the fix is? So many people do it. Get a drink. We don't see it that way, though. Because we slide in stuff like this. Oh, it's not that bad. Can I tell you, watching that game on a 32-inch TV, the Lord's calling you. <laughs> you better hear this point right here. Watching that game on a 32-inch TV, I'll say it like this. It wasn't that bad. But it wasn't as good as it could have been. And at what point, I need you to come here with me. At what point did we settle and say, with our life and all the blessings that God has in store, did we reach the point of settling and saying, well... The life we're living, it ain't that bad. But man, it could be so much better. That's why I got to talk to you about this grace of God. Because we don't have this concept. We don't. Do you see how easy it is to find a fix? So easy, man. And when you look at every one of those examples I just used, we do not want to be that kind of person. We don't. We really, really don't. But we're trying to fix things. And can I just say that God didn't create us to be fixer-uppers. He didn't leave us needing a fix. He created us to be full. So, so watch this. Follow with me. The law told you what not to do. And you need that. Because some of us don't even have a starting point. Just do whatever. No, you need some rules. All right? So I'm not saying throw out the rules. I'm just saying put them in their place. So the law told you what not to do, but it was powerless to make you right. It couldn't give you the fulfillment. In fact, no one was even good enough to fulfill every one of the laws. But thank God John didn't stop by just reflecting back about Moses and talking about the law of Moses. He brought us into Jesus. And he says, grace and truth came through Jesus. This is the abundant life. This is the full life. And so Jesus came to do what the law of Moses could not do, which is make us right. Because the law of Moses would only prove you're wrong. And can you, as a human being, see how natural it is for us to walk in a state of always pointing out what's wrong, proving people that they are wrong. It comes now. Yeah, I mean, it's so easy to do. This week, I will probably argue with someone about this football game, and I'm going to prove you wrong. And it's not just because of football. It's because that is human nature. But am I going to settle with human nature and forfeit the blessings of all that God has for me because that's just the way I am? No, indeed not. I'm not missing out on what God's got for me. Amen? I'm not selling for fix when I can have full. So watch this. 
So Jesus comes to do what the law of Moses could not do, which is make us right. And he does that by forgiving us, justifying us, and empowering us to live right. And he was the only one to fulfill all of the laws. Come on. Because he committed no sin. So watch this. He doesn't fix people. He gives us new life. You say, my heart's broken. He doesn't, he doesn't fix your broken heart. He gives you a new heart. Thank God, am I right? Because that old heart was bad. I need a new heart. That old heart had some cobwebs in the corner. That I, I didn't like some of the habits it was producing. Thank God he gave me a new heart. And the problem isn't the heart, it's the actions. Because we, we got muscle memory whenever it comes to sin. We got muscle memory whenever it comes to fixing things. The heart's good, but the, the, the practices will keep going back. So what is grace? It's the unearned and unmerited favor of God. Unearned, unmerited favor of God. It's God's goodwill. It's his loving kindness. It's his favor. Favor. When the guy brought the 65-inch TV, I didn't even know it was coming. He did us a favor. I didn't even know how to describe that emotion. It was so unexpected. It was so unearned. I didn't do anything for him. He just asked if I was the game. I told him how the game was, but he blessed me. So the grace of God, it's the merciful kindness of God that influences our souls, turning us to Christ. But watch this. It keeps us. It strengthens us. It increases our faith. It increases our knowledge and affection towards God and motivates us to live right. That's the grace of God. And God gave us his grace through Jesus Christ so that we can live a full life. So don't get so caught up trying to fix your life that you miss out on living a full life. So let me finish with this. I'm going to give you the full picture of grace. I got to hurry because that count, we got a new countdown timer and it's red. I want to give you the full picture of grace. Number one, they're saving grace. Number one, they're saving grace, okay? God saved you by his grace when you believed. That was your part. You believed. You can't take credit for it. Why? It's a gift from God. God gave us his grace as a gift. So this is what this means. You don't get good to get God. You get God to get good. Let me, let, me, let me simplify it a little bit more. You can't fix it, honey. Can't fix it. Only he can. But he ain't going to try to fix it. He's going to make it new. Here's the second kind of grace that you got to see. Justifying grace. This is a legal term. Justifying grace. Oh, I know the law of Moses was there. And Jesus is like, I can handle the law too. So he brings us justifying grace. We can have peace about our past because of his justification for our sins. He has the authority to wipe the slate clean. Drops all the charges against you. So I want you to think of being justified like this. It's just as if I had never done it. And that's hard for us to wrap our minds around because that's too good for us. And with our Bible Belt theology, I'm going to try to earn it. Oh, no, you shouldn't. Bless your heart. And God's saying, oh, yes, I should, because you can't. He justifies us. We're justified because of the grace of God, not by our fix. And there's people in this room that's been trying to fix things that's already justified. Still working on it. And he's just saying, why are you still working on that? I got a new work. I got a good work for you to be focused on. Here's the third one. Teaching grace. Teaching grace. For the grace of God has appeared with salvation for all people. 
this is Titus 2, instructing us. Grace instructs us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in this present age. This is the verse that helps you see that grace isn't grease. It's not just you just slide your way out of it. No, there was no sliding your way out of it. There was a price paid for it. And it's, the, it's Jesus Christ who gave his life to pay for the craziness so that you and I aren't just trying to live a fixer-up kind of life, but we get a brand new life. But as you have a brand new life, you need help so you don't mess it up all over again. And so he gives us a teaching grace that instructs us how to live how to live right. So his grace is not freedom to sin. His grace is freedom from sin. Amen? And his grace teaches us how to live right. Here's the fourth one, and I've got to hurry. Okay? The fourth one is enabling grace. Enabling grace. This kind of grace helps you to overcome the difficulties of this world. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, My grace is sufficient for you. And if you're questioning God, does your grace work? It more than works. It is sufficient for you. And so his enabling grace allows you to overcome what would otherwise crush you. His grace, it enables you to overcome. And the last one, number five, the gifts of grace the gifts of grace every believer has received grace gifts 1 Peter 4 verse 10 so use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many colored tapestry of God's grace watch this God not only uses his grace to save you, not only gives us his grace to justify us, not only does he give us his grace to teach us, not only does he give us his grace to, to, to enable us to overcome all of this stuff, but he says, there's still more. It's like an infomercial. Just wait, there's more. And then he drops the grace gifts on us because now he's saying all of that stuff, that was about you. But God is not just the God of just enough. He's the God of more than enough. And so what does he do? He gives you grace gifts so that not only can you receive grace and walk in it, but so that you can give some grace to some other people to build them up so they can walk in the fullness of life instead of trying to fix it. And how many times do we give people advice on how to fix a problem instead of pointing them to what's going to fill their life? Come on, man. This is life changing. And so when we understand the grace of God, it puts us in a whole new perspective and a whole new mindset because I'm not operating from brokenness now. I'm operating from being whole and being full and being filled with the Spirit of God. And I have something to give. And it's, it's just what God's done for me. If God did it for me, He can do it for you. He can do it for them. Amen? And so he's given me these grace gifts. So here's, the, here's where we end. How am I full of grace? How can I be full? You receive it. You say, well, how can I receive it? God, I need your grace. And he gives it. Aggressive forgiveness. Aggressive. You would never think of the word grace as aggressive. But he's aggressive with his grace. But here's the second part. Because it's not you, just you getting it, but it's also you giving it. There's a whole message in there. Because we'll do good. Man, I feel guilty about what I've done. God, give me your grace. But I want them to feel guilty about what they've done. We'll drop one verse. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so many of us, we want more and more grace from God. We want God to bless us with his grace. And today is a word from God for you. Why don't you give somebody some? Why don't you give somebody some? That kid that lives upstairs in your house, why don't you give them some? Come on, teenagers, that's an amen moment for you. That husband that you don't think is spiritual enough, give him some grace because he may be praying prayers you don't know about come on that teacher that doesn't know your kid yet and is still trying to learn them give them some grace amen that girl waiting on you at the restaurant today give her some grace 
That person that you don't want to see when you go to Publix. I'm not saying go talk to them. But I'm also saying, if you're going down the same aisle, don't create a scene. Turn the cart around, knocking everything down. You wearing a merged church shirt. And that's how it always happens. Stand up. We got to go. Kids ministry right now is probably like, hurry. Fixed or full? How you want to roll? Man, I want to be full. Come on, anybody else want to be full in here? I want to operate from being full. Why are we emptying ourselves out? Trying to fix things. When our Father says, let's just make it new. That's the grace of God. Lord, in this place today, we heard a sermon, but we need we need a revelation on this. It needs to be more than just a topic. God, we need your grace to be real. Not just for the new believer, but for the veteran believer. The one that's been around for 30 years. The one that's been around for 30 minutes. God, we all need your grace. Come on, just lift your hands all across the room. God, fill us with your grace today. Not just to get it, but also to give it. Let your grace be what overflows out of our lives. Let your grace be what directs how we handle our situations. Let your grace be the lens that we look through when we look at the mirror and see ourselves. Let your grace teach us and enable us to overcome the sins that we try to use to fix the brokenness in our lives. God, we need you. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you've been trying to fix your life or you're contemplating trying to fix your life, but if you want to give your life to Jesus today and allow him to fill you with his grace, every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to lift a hand and wave it at me. If you say, Pastor, I want to receive the grace. I want to give my life to Jesus and be saved. Anyone else? I want you to repeat this prayer after me today. Say, Dear Lord, thank you for loving me. Even though I don't think I deserve it. I need your grace. Been trying to fix it but I can't change it. So I surrender to you and I ask you to change me and make me a new person. Fill my heart, fill my life with your grace. Teach me, enable me, and make me everything you want me to be. I'm all yours, Lord. I surrender my life to you. I will follow you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. That's clap worthy right there. It's clap worthy.